Welcome to St. Martin the Fields and welcome to Great Sacred Music. Uh, today we're focusing on music around the Feast of Epiphany. I know you've all got your Christmas trees and Christmas decorations lined up for taking down uh, tomorrow evening. I'll be just checking on that later in the weekend, so make sure you get the timings right, the 12th night. Um, Epiphany means appearing, showing, or revelation. It focuses on the story of the Magi coming from afar to worship the baby Jesus. The story of the star represents the way God reveals the truth of all things, not just to Jews, but also to Gentiles. The story has shaped the way Christians think about other faiths, represented by the Magi themselves, and about science, represented by the Magi's sighting of the star. In both cases, with science and with other faiths, the story shows how our wisdom can get us to Jerusalem, but only revelation represented in the story by the chief priests and scribes searching the scriptures and finding a line in the prophet Micah can get us that short extra step from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, from the palace to the stable. Now, it's our tradition at Great Sacred Music to begin by singing a hymn together. We, if you have got one of the sheets that are available in the central aisle, uh, you'll find on the inside, on page two, uh, As With Gladness, Men of Old. Now, this was written by a gentleman called William Chatterton Dix. The most important thing you need to know about him is that he went to my school, uh, Bristol Grammar School. Uh, the giveaway is the second name, Chatterton. The poet Thomas Chatterton died at the age of 17. How he became a well-established poet by the age of 17, I have no idea. But he died at 17, became the definitive romantic artistic figure uh, and uh, a, you know, a well-known figure in the history of Bristol. So more significantly, perhaps, about this hymn is uh, a line you find at the end of verse 2 which talks about Jesus' manger being a mercy seat. Now, this is a comment that's also made in commentary on John's description in the fourth gospel, his description of Jesus' tomb, which has angels at either end, like the seraphim and the cherubim in the temple. Uh, and, of course, the mercy seat, going back to the Old Testament, is the Ark of the Covenant, the Ten Commandments, the embodiment of the covenant between uh, God and Israel. And so this is a really interesting theological move for, for him to be making, because it's not a particularly normal move to make, is that Jesus' manger, Jesus' birth in that manger, is the fulfillment of the place of reconciliation between God and humans that Jews throughout the Old Testament period had always understood as being in the Holy of Holies in the temple, which contained the Ark of the Covenant, the Ten Commandments. So that's a really interesting, it's a bit niche possibly, but it's, uh, but William Chatterton Tix knew what he was doing and he placed that really interesting statement at the end of verse two, just so that you might easily miss it. We remain seated, the voices stand and lead us as we sing as, as with gladness, men of old.
Now, we're going to hear two treatments of the epiphany from the 16th and 17th centuries. The first is by the interestingly named Jacobus Clemens non Papa, not a surname you hear too much these days, Dutch 16th century composer. Why was he known as non Papa? Well, it's the kind of thing people write dissertations about, but there are two particular views. One holds that it was jokingly added by his publisher to distinguish him from Pope Clement VII, who was also called Jacob Clemens. Um, so Jacob Clemens, but not the Pope, not what you think. I guess an interesting reference today with the funeral of the former Pope. And another is to state that it distinguishes him from Jacobus Papa, a poet uh, also from Ypres. So you can take your choice out of, out of the two of those. Uh, anyway, what we're going to hear is the magnificent antiphon uh, sorry, the Mag Magnificat antiphon at the first Vespers on the Feast of Epiphany. Then we're also going to hear a setting by Lennox Berkeley of the 17th century poet Richard Crashaw's hymn for the Epiphany, originally written in 1646. Quite an interesting time to write uh, a, quite a Catholic hymn being right in the middle of the English Civil War.
1916, Herbert Howells was diagnosed with Graves' disease and given only a short time to live. Radium injections were largely successful in providing a cure, but left the composer weak. In his convalescence, he wrote, Here is the Little Door, as part of a set of three written between 1918 and 1920. Its text is a tender poem by Frances Chesterton, the wife of poet and writer G.K. Chesterton, a rather overwhelming figure in his literary persona and no doubt in his more personal uh, life as well, which partly perhaps contributed to Frances's obscurity as uh, a writer in her own right. But some of her pieces do remain part of the canon, not only of poetry, but also in settings, musical settings to this day. And in this poem, interestingly, gold is for a king, incense represents prayer, and myrrh means death. But what's different about this poem is that it suggests the gifts were genuinely for the baby rather than symbolic of things to take place in Jesus' later life, which is the more conventional way of reading the story.
Well, it's time for us to sing again, and we're going to sing a classic uh, epiphany hymn written by J.B. Monsell, an Irishman who moved to England, whose son died on his way to the Crimean War. Now, J.B. Monsell uh, was rather fond of, and this sounds a little bit like a cautionary tale, but he was rather fond of restoring churches but sadly, he met his end restoring the church of St. Nicholas in Guildford. If you know Guildford, you come out of the station, you go across the huge circular round, well, all roundabouts are circular, aren't they? But, but across the one-way system, and then really just about 400 yards from the station is St. Nicholas Guildford. And if you look on the side of the church, there's a little plaque to J.B. Monsell, their vicar in the 1850s, who died after a fall from the church roof. It does sound rather like Hillard Belloc's cautionary tales. He wrote a number of hymns, Fight the Good Fight, being amongst the least distinguished of them. Um, but this was his classic, based on Psalm 96. Uh, it's a whole theology of worship, all straight out of the Old Testament, and yet set in the context of Epiphany. Beautifully done. Uh, and perhaps with its most wonderful line, trust for our trembling and hope for our fear, his way of summing up both worship and the significance of the epiphany. We remain seated, the voices stand and lead us as we sing, O oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness.
Well, we're coming towards the end of Great Sacred Music for this Thursday. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. If you have, there are multiple ways to make a, a, a gift, a donation as you leave, or if you're online, uh, multiple ways to do so online, whether QR codes or uh, visits to websites or swiping of cards or even cash. All things are possible. Uh, you'll be pleased to know that Choral Classics resumes after its uh, winter break this Sunday at 3.15. That's our partner event that takes place on Sunday afternoons, very much the same format. And the next Great Sacred Music will be this coming Thursday. We're going to finish with a piece by C.H.H. Parry, uh, words dating from the 15th century. Uh, and what Parry is doing here is uh, there's always an argument about this time of year, usually two weeks ago, when some newspaper makes a big reveal. And the big reveal is that, did you know there was a pagan festival about the same time as Christmas and Christians took it over? And I think everyone's supposed to be just like horrified. Uh, well, yes, sure. Uh, a lot of Christianity took over what it saw as the best of the traditions that it found in the countries that it came to. Uh, but Parry uh, has a much more uh, benevolent approach to this. In this piece, he's really blending the, the Yuletide tradition with the other traditions of the winter, uh, of, of the Christmas winter, notably Candlemas, for example. He's, he's kind of blending them together uh, as one whole. He's not bothered by Christianity being the important thing and paganism being the bad thing. He just is happy with the whole winter tradition all embraced by the Christian faith. Interesting man himself. Um, this, is, this might be too late for some of you to think of doing, but when he was a schoolboy at Eton, he did his bachelor music degree before he left school. It's a bit late for some of you to think about doing that, but you, you might want to think about it. it. It's certainly an impressive way to begin your musical career. He studied composition at Oxford and eventually became director of the Royal College of Music and professor of music at Oxford. All this lies ahead of you. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the heavenly king. 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 Welcome